The book, When the Body Says No by Gabor Mate, explains how chronic stress is often linked with disease and how reducing this stress involves examining the biological, psychological, and social factors in your life. Basically, it's not enough to know how your body is responding to stress and illness. You also need to look at your patterns of thinking and past and present relationships that may contribute to the underlying why behind how you are feeling. And once you understand the why behind the stress in your life, you are then empowered to be able to do something about it. Mate says that oftentimes people who believe that they are the least emotionally troubled often have suppressed negative emotions. When these compartmentalized emotions and feelings go unchecked, they become an almost unconscious stress that runs in the background of our lives and can be linked to disease down the road. We are going to lean on Gabor Mate's 30 years of practicing medicine in a clinical and hospital setting and his experience as an addiction specialist, researcher, and author of a whole bunch of books about the connection between mental and physical health and trauma. By the way, I'm Clint Malley, and this is Real Common Treatable, where we help behavioral health professionals stay at the forefront of adolescent mental health, addiction, and substance use treatment. All right, let's get right to it. People have long known that there is a connection between the mind and the body. We see evidence of this all the way back to ancient Greece. However, this mind-body connection was also linked with spirituality. Therefore, if you were ill, people might think that you were demon-possessed or that there was some bad moral decision that you made. This worldview also meant that we couldn't dissect bodies because it could affect the journey into the afterlife. And relating all illness to spiritual matters and not being able to understand how our bodies really worked held medicine back for a while. Later on, philosophers like René Descartes started drawing a distinction between the mind and the body as being completely separate things. Although our natural understanding of the mind-body connection never fully left us, this did give us some room to advance medical practices. Apart from the Western thinking, many cultures have long understood a more balanced approach to holistic healing. Many traditional and indigenous cultures like the Maori of New Zealand have extensive healing systems that account for the physical, mental, spiritual, social, and environmental factors that go into someone being well. Mate believes that the pendulum has swung too far in the West, where many doctors strictly focus on the biological factors such as genes and their relationship to illness. This is interesting because research has shown that environmental factors can turn on or activate genes, which means that our environment is even more important than the genes themselves. Mate states that we need a more interdisciplinary approach, one that studies the connection between our nervous system, our immune system, our hormones, and our patterns of thinking. But he didn't just come up with this idea on his own. He is building off the work of Dr. John Sarno, who came up with the term tension myositis syndrome, also known as TMS. And TMS is any condition where someone's psychological condition affects their physical condition. For example, fibromyalgia has no one physiological cause, but it still creates very real symptoms of fatigue and pain. Therefore, Mate attests that understanding a patient's personal history is essential to helping them overcome illness. With tons of sick people out there, this approach has one major hurdle. 
it's time-consuming and difficult. Many people insist that they have had amazing childhoods, and uncovering trauma and the underlying stressors takes time and the expertise of a skilled clinician. Even still, this process is more healthy. Columbia University has even created a program in narrative medicine that trains doctors on how to help patients share their life stories. Doing so helps to build trust, reducing power dynamics, and ultimately creates more effective context for treatment. According to Mate, stress is triggered by uncertainty, conflict, lack of information, and loss of control. When the brain experiences uncertainty, conflict, lack of information, and loss of control, it responds to this information as a threat. Our hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenal glands, also known as the HPA axis, release hormones like cortisol to reduce inflammation and to deal with the stress. The release of cortisol can be helpful for situations where you need to fight or run away, but it can also cause you to freeze, shutting down bodily systems, including pain. And when pain is reduced, it often allows us to push it down or to compartmentalize our issues with uncertainty, conflict, lack of information, and loss of control. In short bursts to deal with crisis, this stress response is good. But when prolonged over days, weeks, months, and years, this breaks our body down and can be an opening for illness. Mate makes the distinction between acute stress and chronic stress. Acute stress is often linked to events like a car accident, divorce, or the death of a loved one. But chronic stress is lower in amount, and it's a more constant stress reaction happening on an ongoing basis. Chronic stress is more subtle, and it's unconscious, but it's also more destructive. Like the slow drip of water that produces mold, it slowly affects and grows over time. To be fair, part of the survival and the evolution of humans came down to us mastering or having control of our environments. And advances in farming allowed us to stay in one place and to build larger centers of civilization and culture instead of always being on the go. However, this need to control things can also be a huge cause of stress, and our modern environment is filled with things that can cause stress but we cannot control. War in other countries or the housing market are things that we know much more about because of technology, but we cannot change them. Therefore, Mate believes it is essential for us to learn to deal with the stress we cannot control in a healthy way. In many situations, the only thing that we can control is our response to a situation, and that is what we must focus on. Much of chronic stress is caused by experiences that you had as a child that you perceived as a threat that have not been resolved. Mate explains that around 90% of brain development takes place in the first few years of a child's life. So when we are distressed as children, being loved and comforted by our parents allows us to learn how to calm ourselves and also how to love and comfort other people. Sometimes these threatening experiences come in the form of trauma, where something has happened to us as a child, but can also come in the form of neglect, where something is withheld from us as a child. In addition to physical touch and affection as children, we also need attunement, which is being tuned in to a child's needs physically and emotionally. 
Even loving families can have relationships that lack attunement. Therefore, depending on our parents and how we are loved by them, we learn skills and confidence to love others and comfort ourselves and to regulate our own emotions. We are meant to develop differentiation from our parents. This goal is to help us form an interdependent independence, meaning that we have our own sense of self and how to regulate our emotions, but also develop interdependent and supportive relationships. Trauma or a lack of emotional or physical love and nurturing as a child can make it difficult for kids to tell the difference between threats and non-threats and can have a massive influence on the personality we develop and how we handle stress. The personality that we develop growing up isn't the only thing that contributes to our chronic stress. As Mate explains, it's also the positionality within multi-generational families, culture, and society. So humans used to live in large extended families that were a huge part of our social connection and identity forming. However, new capitalist societies often have to put their kids in daycare or to send them to school so that they can work instead of being surrounded by extended families. David Matthews, not the band leader, but the sociologist, looks at the relationship between modern capitalism and mental health and points to cultural norms like materialism, social inequality, loneliness, an overemphasis on work, and the denial of creative and human desires as being an underlying cause in our mental health decline. Cultures also matter in our chronic stress makeup. Cultures that are individualistic encourage kids to be self-reliant and to seek validation within a hyper-independent, parentification-like lifestyle, which can make it difficult to form meaningful relationships. On the other hand, a more collectivist culture may encourage hyper-reliance or learned helplessness and can make it difficult for kids to individuate. The late 19th and 20th century were filled with terrible parenting advice from child psychologists. One such psychologist was John B. Watson, who wrote a book called Psychological Care of Infant and Child in the 1920s, in which he said that it could be dangerous to hug, kiss, or show affection through touch to children. In society, we see that things like racial inequality are also closely tied to our chronic stress. For example, with prostate cancer, black American men are twice as likely to get it rather than white American men but they are also six times more likely to get it than men in Nigeria. Mate believes that this systemic societal pressures of being a black man in America, especially related to racism, contribute to the chronic stress that is often related to illness. And studies have shown that black, Hispanic, and Native American populations are more likely to suffer from chronic diseases like cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and asthma. Research has connected this to a lack of access to healthcare, poor nutrition, exposure to toxins, but also to the daily stress connected with poverty and or discrimination. Now, it is super important from the onset that we do not blame ourselves or our parents for these experiences. As we have explored, much of our brain development has to do with our experiences that we encounter as a child, from our parents and from other adults. If you develop an illness related to chronic stress, it is not your fault. If part of your chronic stress is related to traumas that your parents passed down to you, it does you no good to blame them either. Your parents' brains and other adults' brains also developed because of a unique set of conditions in which they were raised. 
Blaming is pointless. Understanding, though, can bring healing. Understanding the reasons behind chronic stress can also help you to be more empathetic to others, especially when you understand the complexities of your own chronic stress. And real quick, before we jump into the connection between chronic stress and illness, this video podcast is brought to you by Sandstone Care, which helps teens, young adults, and their families overcome mental health and substance use challenges. They have an inclusive, full continuum of care that provides evidence-based treatment from certified professionals, and they incorporate the entire family in the healing journey to promote lasting outcomes. Go to sandstonecare.com to learn more. There is a ton of research that Mate cites throughout his book that shows how diseases are related to chronic stress. People with nervous system diseases like multiple sclerosis or ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, are more likely than average to have experienced early trauma or to have dysfunctional emotional issue ties to their parents. One 2012 study found that when MS patients participated in weekly stress management programs, that they developed fewer new brain lesions than those who didn't. Individuals with gut diseases like IBD, IBS, and GERD have a higher rate of abuse in their past than others. Another example is the bowel disease alexithymia. Research has shown that sufferers of this disease often have a harder time to describe or to put their feelings into words, which is often linked to childhood trauma and neglect. Similar to ALS, folks with autoimmune diseases like arthritis and lupus have compensating hyperindependence, which can come from the loss of a parent or a child and having to take on this parenting role and its responsibilities really early in life. Research has even shown that some forms of cancer have psychosocial risk factors that are connected to repressed emotions, especially anger. Tay argues that no matter where you are in your life, you can take control of your chronic stress to live a happier and healthier lifestyle. He recommends following five practices to understand and to process chronic stress. Number one is to avoid toxic positivity. Focusing on only happy thoughts is not healthy. Healthy thinking involves acknowledging all of your feelings, positive and negative. This doesn't mean that you need to dwell on negative thoughts but pushing them away, repressing them, or compartmentalizing them does not give you a chance to heal. Your feelings deserve to be felt. Focusing on only positive thinking is a defense mechanism that we learn to deal with pain, but pain demands to be felt. If it is not processed, it manifests itself in other ways, including illness. Number two is to listen to your body. You must get in tune with what your body is telling you. We live in an age where we do a ton of things to medicate and to alleviate stress and to hide it from our conscious thoughts. We drink coffee when we are tired or we smoke weed when we are anxious. Look for the signals of stress in your life, including rapid heartbeat, frequent urination, excessive sweating, digestive issues, unexplained pain such as back pain or headaches. Also, look for underlying behavioral signals like depression, anxiety, hypervigilance, hypersensitivity, overreactivity, or impulsivity. 
Doing mindful practices like yoga or meditation can allow you the space to slow down and to feel what is going on in your body and brain. Be on the lookout for feelings like anger, which are usually directed at something or someone. Number three is to be your authentic self. Mate asks us to be kind, but also honest with the reality of our current situation. Do not cast blame. Remember that there are a lot of things that have happened to you that you cannot control, but you can control your response. A great question to ask yourself is, are you living your life according to who you truly are? Or are you trying to live up to someone else's expectations? A good thing to be on the lookout for is guilt, which is often connected with doing something for yourself instead of others. Mate says that feeling guilty can actually mean that you're on the right track. If you say no to something and feel guilty, it's always better than saying yes to something and then feeling resentment. Resentment in this case is more damaging than guilt. And sometimes this guilt is connected with saying no when setting boundaries. To help start your boundary journey off on the right track, start with boundaries with yourself over like the social media that you use or the food that you eat. As you get comfortable with saying no to yourself, you will be more comfortable saying no to others. Number four is to make connections with others. Research shows that people who are lonely or isolated from others are also at a greater risk of illness. On the other hand, having a community helps to reduce stress and to fight off the risk of disease. Now this is especially challenging given today's technological advances that give us the feeling that we are much more connected than we actually are. It's not enough to have friends online. We need to be in the physical presence of people, face to face, for connection to feel genuine. Number five is to tend to your spirit. Mate argues that we are more than just thoughts and skin, we are also spirit. Mate gives us two suggestions for this. The first is to be creative. Art is not just for painters. Everyone can be creative and express their creativity. It can be through cooking or gardening or building or dancing or writing. What's important is that what you choose, that it helps you to express yourself. And the second thing is to connect with the universe. Whether it's through nature, religion, God, meditation, or astronomy, you need to find something that helps you to feel like you are part of something bigger than yourself. Spirituality is whatever creates a sense of awe in you. Listen, y'all, this chronic stress thing, it's real, but it's also more common than people think. But luckily, with the help of behavioral health professionals like you, it's also treatable. All of my love, and I will see you on the next episode.